and welcome to Whatever It Takes. I'm your host, Corey Gaff, and on this episode, I am talking to Emily Danker. Emily was the lead VFX editor on Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, and now she's making the transition to editorial. And on this episode, she fills me in on the ins and outs of the VFX department. Also, at the time of this recording, Endgame has just received a Oscar nomination for Best Visual Effects, which is very well-deserved for everybody in that department. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, Yeah, this is me talking to Emily. (laughs) Check. Okay. All right, let me get my little sheet of questions here. Oh, yes. I love those. Are they the same for everyone? No, they vary, but Mm. I kind of just like you know, think about things as I'm like working. I'm like, oh, that might be a good question to ask or this might be a good question to ask. Yeah. And then after like, you know, three weeks, I have like maybe 10 questions. That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, all right. I'm here with Emily. Emily Denker. Hello. And you were the, what was your official title for uh, Avengers 3 and 4? Was uh, it, it was VFX editor, right? Yeah, it was lead VFX editor. Lead VFX editor. Wow. And you didn't start out. As a lead VFX editor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a time. Um, Yeah, no, I honestly hadn't been, like, VFX editing for that long. And I kind of joined the show as, like, the green VFX editor. And I was just there to learn. And then as we got into it, it became very clear that, like, just having worked at Marvel and, like, Mm -hmm. working around Jeff and Robin and Matt on all these other shows, it was kind of like I already knew their process. And it made it a little easier to kind of jump in and, like take control of some of the things and kind of have like a, I don't know how to describe it, but like a second hand with Jeff Mm. and be able to understand like what he was looking for and how Mm. fast he wanted it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it it kind of transitioned over the course of the shoot. That was really fun. Shooting and posting and changing jobs and like learning how to do a job and like learning how to work with a new team. Was it Lisa and, and Jen that kind of came to you and said, hey, we're thinking of having you move to this position. Yeah. Do you want to do it? And then you probably freaked out and you're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It was it was, uh, it was just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of happened organically and I just kind of slid into that position. And I, you know, sometimes I just end up being bossy accidentally. <laughs> uh, but for that show, like it just, you kind of almost had to be. We were dealing with so many departments and, like, trying to figure out mocap pipelines and, like, what we were, like, we knew what we needed to do. And it was, like, how do we get there? And it was so complex, like, all these CG characters, like, that were talking. Um, and almost every shot was a VFX shot. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask how many shots for each movie. Do you know that off the top of your head? Oh, or? man. I used to. Um, I want to say that Infinity War was probably like 2,700 VFX shots. Like there were... Like just Infinity War. It, just Infinity yeah. War. I want to say that Endgame was like 23, but Endgame, like 2,300, Endgame was... Uh, Longer shots. You remember all those like oneers and mm-hmm. like long dialogue takes. Mm-hmm. So it was less shots and uh, <laughs> longer <more> movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Infinity War, it was very fast cutting, and every single shot was a VFX shot. There were way more CG characters talking in that movie than Endgame. Endgame was more dialogue based. But don't worry. We still did vanity fixes and age work and. Oh yeah, old cap. I'm sure that was. Uh, oh yeah. That was a fun. Yeah. 
are there are there any shots that you look back on now and you're just like you just shake your head because of everything that went into it? I mean, I'm sure there's probably more than one. But, there are. Yeah. There definitely are. Um, Infinity War is kind of a blur, so I don't have a good answer. But Endgame, it was the big oneer. Like when they first the bet the like armies collide at the end for the big final battle after Cap catches the hammer and is like Avengers assemble. So all of that was going to be this super, super long one which I'm sure you remember. And we went through like 80 million versions of it. And then we turned it over to the vendor. And then eventually, like, I don't know, a month before we needed to finish the shot, they were like, you know what? Actually, let's cut this up. Let's make it, I don't know, three or four shots. And we had to go back to the vendor and be like, okay, you're going to take these elements from this shot and put them <laughs> put them over here. And then you're going to take these elements and break off into a separate shot over here. It was, yeah, it was a nightmare. Turned out cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said Infinity War was a blur. I mean, it was a blur for me, too, because that was my first movie as yeah. an assistant. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was just like a trial by fire, basically. I mean, going from, like, assistant to lead VFX editor is pretty insane. Was there ever a point that you were like, all right, <laughs> like you kind of wrapped your head around it, and then you're like, I got this? Because I know, I, like, I talked to Robin, and Infinity War was his first, like, mm-hmm. proper first position. And he said after... Infinity War, he sort of kind of calmed down a little bit. I guess you say, like, he <laughs> he kind of gained some yes. confidence. I don't yes. know if that happened to you on the VFX side at all. Um, Sort of. Yeah, Infinity War was hard. It was learning how to do the VFX editing job and also kind of manage a team and manage expectations. Uh, so it was hard. And, you know, I was working with a team of veterans, like, Jeff Jeff has done a ton of movies, and our VFX team had done a ton of movies, and everyone was working at a really, really high level, and so it was basically trying to ke- like keep up and not let anyone down, and that was hard. Like, I don't think I've ever cried so much over a job. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I think I agree with Robin. It was like after Infinity War finished, and we like finished the DI, and we got like three weeks off, and we came back, and we started Endgame, and it was like, okay, I think I understand what has to happen. And even with Endgame, I was still kind of, like, adjusting kind of how we functioned as a team and, like, you know, how we communicated and how we broke up tasks and stuff like that. But on Endgame, it was very much like I know what worked on the last show and what didn't work, and now we're kind of, like, experimenting. And that was okay because I did feel that, like, I don't know. I guess confidence is the right word and maybe experience in what worked and didn't. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Also, we were only doing like Infinity War was hard because it was we were shooting for a long time. We were shooting two movies um, and then we started post on one of them. But it wasn't just like just post on Infinity War. There were scenes that like. Jeff was cutting for Endgame while they were shooting them to make sure that they worked. And we were having to track that stuff and make sure nothing slipped through the cracks. So it wasn't just like <laughs> we were basically shooting and posting two movies at once. And we had uh, on the VFX side, we had previs going and postvis going. We were getting storyboards. Uh, we were turning over to vendors, getting shots back from vendors trying to establish a mocap pipeline and like understand all of that and work with a team we'd never worked with before. So it was it was just like so much to jump into, which of course because it was a huge movie. Uh but yeah. <laughs> you survived. 
<laughs> well, that's what we all told each other at the end, right? It was like nothing will ever be this hard. Yeah, and now you have like you've pretty much hit the ceiling as far as you know VFX goes. I would think. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I never, <laughs> I always intended to go into editorial. Oh, yeah. Um, I never knew that a VFX editor was even a job. Mm. Like coming out of college, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I knew I wanted to get, I want, I knew I wanted to be an editor when I was in seventh grade. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Fun fact about me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I took a, like a multimedia class, like we did TV stuff and little short narrative things. And it was basically like, here's all the different types of media you can do. It was like some elective in middle school. Um, and I was like alone with a bunch of tape decks, like cutting this thing together. Uh, and as I like laid uh, the music down over it, like as the final step, I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so then in high school, I took all, any class I could related to that. Uh, and then I went to college for it. So I <laughs> came into college and I was like one of the only people to be like, yes, I want to edit. I don't want to mm. waste time directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me something to edit. Yeah. So yeah, getting out of school, it was kind of like, okay, now what? I was like a logger at a uh, reality house. And then I went to Company 3 and did like nighttime prep work for color sessions for commercials. Oh, boy. That <laughs> yeah. sounds fun. Night shift. <laughs> don't recommend. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, someone called me that I went to school with uh, – and she was like, hey, a VFX PA positioning is open, is like opening up on uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And like, should I put your name in? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, and I got that job. And I loved the VFX team, like some of the nicest people. Because the VFX team is interesting because they have to get along with everyone, right? They mm. have their hands in every department. Uh, they have to communicate with every department and, you know, ask for things all the time. So it ends up being, like, the nicest humans you've ever met. And so I just kind of stayed. I just kept getting the effects jobs because those were the people that I knew. Uh, and I kept working with these incredible teams. So that's kind of what kept you in, in that world then is just... Yeah. Yeah, because I guess and, editorial can be... We can be curmudgeons. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, but I think I had worked with teams that just... Like, coming into the industry, it wasn't as friendly, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it's a hard industry to be in and to get into. And so as a PA, you're kind of looking around like, oh, my God, like, who who can I go to? Who can I ask questions to? Like, who can I, who's going to help me mm -hmm. if I ever need help? Um, and for me, it was always the VFX teams. And I didn't know that VFX editorial was a job until I started that PA gig. And so so with that gig, you were just happy that it was in into yeah. the industry, yeah. 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 It was like, oh man, I'm working on a big movie. And it was down at Sony. Uh and it was with someone I went to school with. And so it was fun. It was like, you know, there were hard days and stuff, but it was very much like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm in I'm in the industry. Um and I did a a couple, I guess like another PA job. That was just a quick stint. Um, and then I got a call for Ant-Man uh, mm. to go be a VFX PA out in Atlanta. Uh, and I did that. And that's where I met the VFX editor on that show, Costa. Mm. And he's like, can you? <laughs> I'm drowning. <laughs> Do you know Avid? And I was like, 
I do know Avid. I learned that in school. Uh, and he's like, okay, I need help. I We got to organize, like, so many files. Uh, and that's kind of how I got to understand what VFX editorial was. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. It's like editorial and VFX teams. It's like the perfect thing. Um, but I think I always knew that I didn't want to end up there forever. Mm-hmm. I wanted to eventually cut and make creative decisions and, you know, get into that realm. But with Marvel, projects tend to always, like, roll into each other, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did a bunch of shows back-to-back. I went from Ant-Man to Civil War to Doctor Strange and then to Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, and then after Endgame, it it was kind of like, okay, well, now I've experienced the hardest show that that I could have at this job... Now what? Mm. And so that's when I, you know, made the cut back over to assistant editing. It's a, it's a whole different world. It's a whole yeah. different job. I mean, I my knowledge of um, VFX department is very limited. Um, so you have that advantage over <laughs> over me. But um, well, you did it for a little bit, right? You did you did some VFX. Yeah, I had like a it was a very quick like three month show that I was the only assistant on and. I had to deal with like 500 VFX and it was nuts. And I was thinking (laughs) about you. I'm like, I don't know how these people do this stuff. But um, I mean, we did have a great team. Like, yeah, it was a well-oiled machine and everyone, I don't know, was so experienced and like. Yeah, because before that, like my knowledge at the time was like, you know, I'm processing or preparing dailies for Jeff and like marking up the plates and the the balls and charts and the elements and sending you guys lens grids and then. You know, I see shots cut in to the timeline, and then like on the calendar it says VFX review, and I'm but the things in between that I have like no idea. Yeah, what goes on? Yeah, you know, and I mean, you guys are like talking to vendors, and I mean, I don't even know. Like, yeah, if you if I mean, somebody was to say, what does a VFX editor do? Like, if you could even sum it up into like a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, quite a lot. Uh, basically, the main. The main idea is, like, you're the liaison between the editorial department and the VFX department, right? You have your fingers on the pulse of the cut, and you also understand what's going on with the vendors and and what's been turned over and what you should be getting back. Uh, A lot of the job is tracking the cut and checking the changes and making sure that the vendors have the right footage, Mm. Uh, and the instructions to go along with that footage to basically make the shot. Like we would turn over plates and then send count sheets, and that was basically like the here's your in point, here's your out point, here's what you're supposed you know, any dissolves or weird effects or any like character elements like mocap or like face cam of these digital characters is all attached in that count sheet, and we send them all the elements, and it's like here's your package for this shot. We did it, like, what, 2,700 times? Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big part of the job. And then you get the shots back and you make sure that they're cut back into the timeline properly and so that the editor can, like, understand what's new and uh, and can quickly, like, hop to the, to the shots that just came in. And then it's as soon as he drops them into the timeline, it's basically kicking back cuts back to the vendors so that they understand the shots that they're working on. So it's a lot of cyclical checking yeah. and cutting in and checking, cutting in, checking, cutting in. And you're kind of at the whim of the editor, right? Because if, yeah. if you if he decides to adjust a shot, mm-hmm. then you have to go back 
to that vendor and say, hey, listen, this is what's changed and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's always interesting because it's, uh, it's a little bit of a game because – and this is where like – the editor and the VFX teams were constantly talking. Like Jeff was always talking to us, being like, "Well, I think this is going to change, but it mm. won't stick. And but this will change, and I do think that will stick. So you should act on that." And then we would send uh, that change okay. to the vendor, because there were so many changes. We we're trying ideas, right? Like you're trying to craft the best story that you can, and in doing so, you end up changing every shot <laughs> at least once. Uh, but if we were to do that to the vendor, we were, if we were to update them every time we made a change, like they would drown. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't be able to keep up just because there's so much and it's so complex. Like a shot of Thanos has, I don't know, probably like eight elements to it because you have face cam and mocap. Mm -hmm. And if he's doing a stunt, then you have the stunt actor mocap as well. Uh, and then you have the plate and any extra like reference, like shots of his armor in the lighting and so it gets <laughs> it gets very complicated so if you were to change a shot every time the editor changed it they wouldn't be able to mm. keep up we wouldn't be able to keep up as a vfx editorial team um so we kind of operated on milestones like you know screenings and stuff like that and then if jeff was like i have a good feeling about this this is probably gonna stick then we would kick it to the vendor but it was it was a, a big dance. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine. I mean, especially with characters that are solely CG, like like Thanos, mm -hmm. um, and even like the Dark Order. It's like I assume you'd want to start on those shots right away, but since they're still, you know, his story is still being worked out. Like, yeah. nothing's ever set in stone until I guess when it is. You know? Yeah, it's not set in stone till the very end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Thanos especially went through. A fair amount of changes um, just because as you kind of as the story kind of comes together you realize oh this performance could be changed in this way and it'll make it a lot better um, so and sometimes new lines would be written because it is a CG character so you'd get Brolin back in and perform new lines and stuff like that and that's a big change for the vendor they have to basically reanimate the shot now we're reaching the <laughs> end of my super technical knowledge, but uh, they did have rigs built for these characters that, you know, would help. But at the end of the day, like a lot of the animation was had to be done by hand based off of those uh, face cams. Mm -hmm. Like there were computers that could help, which is a lot. Very cool. What they oh, and like the mocap when they had that mm -hmm. um, like M cam or something. Oh, what was that called? Virtual camera. Virtual camera. <laughs> it was nuts. Like changing a performance meant changing so many elements. Oh my god, I'm having flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it it would mean a change in face cam and maybe a change in mocap because he would move differently, and that would be a change in animation. So yeah, it was it was a lot going back and forth, a lot of changes. Like VFX starts doing their thing as soon as the cameras start rolling, right? Or you guys. Also dealing dealing with all the previs that's coming in like before the shoots. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, they basically VFX is one of the first teams to start. Um, so the script is finished or you know lock kind of locked, uh, and the VFX team starts breaking it down essentially and figuring out what characters are going to look like. There's lots of character development. Uh, 
with the character design team, um, they start previs pretty early because it's like if a lot of these movies have big epic battles and fight scenes and characters that they need to figure out like how they're going to move. Like it was a lot of like, how is Thanos going to walk? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so crazy we, because Thanos is a main character. So like it's got to work. Yeah. And they did a, a few initial tests um, early on. They shot with uh, Roland to kind of test the pipeline and they sent it over to DD. They came back with a really cool test. Like they made him look really cool and they made his, you know, his body movements really natural. And then it was like, okay, this is going to work. Nice. <laughs> um, and then Previs developed their model and started running with it and started drafting scenes. And I mean, Jeff would work really closely with the Previs team and kind of basically build these big battles or like figure out how we were going to shoot some of these scenes especially because you don't have a lot of the characters there right um so previs was a pretty good guide of like okay you have these six characters you're only going to have two on set <laughs> what are you going to do uh and they would spit out these files and it would be like okay you're gonna want to frame it up this way or leave room for this character because he's eight feet tall um so, yeah, we did a lot of previs work, and then as soon as we start shooting, it's like a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you guys were really fast. You assembled dailies, like, extremely quickly, and then Jeff would cut very quickly, and then we would have scenes. And then it's like, okay. This is happening. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just – it was always, uh, like, towards the end when a lot of the VFX uh, were close to being finaled or even – when they were final, like Hector and I would go through some of the shots of like Thanos and we, we'd view the different layers on the Abbott timeline. Mm -hmm. And you'd have like a fully realized Thanos, like the final, final shot. And then like layer one is just like a guy with like a <laughs> stick coming out of his back with like a tennis ball, yeah. like where Thanos' head was going to be. We were just always blown away by that. Like yeah. everything that goes into creating a character like Thanos, it's just fr from like scratch, you know? Yeah. It's just mind-boggling the before and afters for these shows are crazy oh my gosh just to like wipe off and see this guy in a mocap suit with a, a height reference pole like an eyeline pole mm -hmm. is uh, is pretty funny um but it it's true so much work goes into it and there's so many layers there's you know so many passes of stuff it's like that guy on set in the mocap suit which was sometimes brolin Mm -hmm. More often than not. Um, but if he wasn't there, then he would be performing in a different stage. Uh, and then you have all of the face cam that goes along with it. And yeah, yeah. It's nuts. The vendors did so much work. It's incredible. How many vendors did you have? Ooh, good question. Um, we had Dee Dee, Weta, ILM, uh, oh man, Blinken, uh, Cinecite, Lola. There's a few more. I don't know. I'd say I'd say we'd ended at like between ten and fifteen, but like we had a few big ones that were handling like big sequences. Now, who like talks to them? Is that a VFX editor's job, or is that what coordinators do? So the coordinators are the main point of contact for the vendors. So they're the ones that are taking notes on the shots. Like the VFX supervisor will see the shots, give notes. The coordinators will take those notes. Um, clarify them and then send them off to uh, the vendors 
offenders will ingest those notes, address them, and then send the shots back. The shots, the coordinators will then take the shots and try to get them in front of the supervisor again. And mm-hmm. it's that cycle. So is that what when I see like VFX review, is that what's happening? So no, that if you ever saw on the calendar like dailies, that's oh, what that was. Oh, yeah. Um, VFX review is where the execs would come in and we would basically prep all of the new VFX shots um, in context. So like in the cut with like a couple shots on either side. Um, we would prep them in the Avid that way, and then we'd also have the high-res files um, in the RV, which was our high-res playback machine. So we would play the shots in context for the execs and the directors so that they could see the VFX work. Um, And then if we had any shots up for final, we would play them in uh, RV at high resolution. so that was VFX reviews. And notes would come out of that and changes. Right. And, and those VFX shots were already pre-approved. Like they went through the they, dailies process. They yep. were approved. And now it's you know, yeah. time to show the execs. And yeah, the supervisor would yeah. look at them and be like, okay, this is headed in the right direction or this is good for final or we have a question about, you know, creatively like what they want this character to be doing in this moment or is this the right tone or is this the right look for the costume so yeah it was it was a lot of stuff like that uh and then yeah the supervisor would be like okay here's our review list and we put it up in the review um and then notes would come out of that and the coordinators would send those notes back to the vendors and those would get addressed so we talked to the vendors occasionally but it was more in a technical sense like Mm. hey the count sheet says that it's supposed to be a two frame cross dissolve here but then in the cut it looks like a three frame cross dissolve So it was more extremely technical, detailed stuff like that when when the editorial, the VFX editorial team would talk to the vendors. But it was good. It was always like an open communication with everyone because that was the only way we were going to survive. It was like <laughs> everyone have everyone else's email, mm-hmm. uh, make sure everyone's included. With some of the vendors probably uh, were working in different like time zones. Yeah. So I'm sure that added, you know, an element of stress maybe. Or did they kind of uh, adjust their schedule to your schedule? Yeah, um, we would basically talk to, like, the supervisors and coordinators would talk to the London vendors early in the morning, mm-hmm. our time. Um, and then the L.A.-based vendors would be, like, in the afternoon. And then, like, we were dealing with Weta, so that's New Zealand. So we would talk to them, like, at the end of our day. And there would constantly be cinesyncs and calls and, you know, notes flying back and forth at all hours. <laughs> and a lot sure. of these vendors ha- have offices all over the world, so shots are just constantly coming in, especially towards the end. Like every, I don't know, every hour we would get new shots. Like how many shots do you think you would receive in a day? Ooh. Um, I would say towards the end, when we were like getting down to the final weeks, um, we would probably get, I don't know, Four to five hundred shots just across all the vendors. And that's for dailies though, right? And that's for dailies. And it's just sometimes it's just like a small tweak on something. Um, and that might be high because I'm still scarred from the end of the show. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, on a normal day, like maybe we'd get a hundred um, just because a lot of the early stuff is like they're not – 
basically doing every single shot that we've turned over to them. They're basically doing a select few to try to set the environment or set the look. Mm. And so it's a lot of like, hey, is this correct? Is this what you're looking for before mm. we implement it into all these other shots? Right. Okay. Because um, a lot of our scenes are just like, you know, cutting back and forth mm-hmm. or like Titan. What's, what does Titan look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, or, you know, the final battle in Endgame, that post-apocalyptic world. It's like we have all this concept art and everyone loves the concept art. Now how do you make it real? How do you make it look real? Because it looks great in a painting, Mm -hmm. a very realistic painting, but now you have characters moving around in it, and it's like, how much atmosphere do you put in? Yeah, remember when everybody was going to come out of a ditch? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are the VFX editors also doing, like, simple comps and stuff that Mm -hmm. can be turned around really quickly? Yeah, they'll they'll do comps, like temp comps, um, especially for screenings. Like when we would screen it for audience testing, uh, we would do, you know, window comps or simple backgrounds or like paint fixes or stuff like that. The hard thing with Infinity War and Endgame, which hasn't been the case on other films, is that there was so much CG character work that like if Spidey was in a scene in his mocap suit, we couldn't really paint over that. Mm. Uh, so that had to go to like a post-viz team uh, for like a temp screening. <laughs> so we were, our hands were a little tied, but we tried to do as much as we could and cover up all of the blue screen or green screen. Just kind of make it like smooth it out. Because you know when you're watching something and like a huge blue screen like pops up, it's pretty jarring. Yeah. Uh, so we were basically trying to smooth all that out. So yeah, there was a lot of temp comp work but not as much as other shows (laughs) (laughs) well you had a lot more uh available to you i guess as far as like with the the vendors and and the post-viz crew yeah i mean we had the biggest post-viz crew i've ever seen it was amazing (laughs) there were so many people but they churned through so much they had to get through so much and we went through so many versions of some scenes and we would be trying out so many ideas um, yeah, how many? Because I know Gerardo was in it was in Atlanta, and then he had maybe like a handful of people working there, right? I, I, I never saw them. There were like close to twenty people in that room. What room um, was that? I, I'm trying to remember. It was across the hallway from us, so we were in that oh, one yeah. wing, and you would like cross the hall, and it was like directly across. But oh, if you yeah. were just walking down, it was just another door, um, and you walked in, and it was just desks everywhere. Yeah. Um, so there were probably close to 20 people in that room, and then they had another, like, 20 people in their L.A. office working at the same time. Wow. Um, yeah. But, I mean, again, we were basically shooting and posting two movies at once, right? So we were doing previs on Endgame while we were doing post-vis on Infinity War because we like a challenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For me, when I was processing dailies, it's like, Oh, today's going to be a ML2 day, an Endgame yeah. day, and then yeah. it's going to be a mix of, you know, ML1 and ML2. And then, you know, we would obviously process it and send it to Jeff and Matt, but they would have to figure out what's the priority. And then at a certain point, when we were getting closer to the end of Infinity War, they just started to focus mainly on Infinity War. And I think Matt took over uh, Endgame just to make sure that that stayed on track. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And then we brought on another editor to help out and I think two more editors to help out while Jeff was finishing up Infinity War. Yeah, I mean it was it was an impossible amount of work. Yeah. And if you if you took your foot off the gas at any point, 
like you would fall behind. Yeah. There was no room for error, um, which is what made it feel so intense, at least Infinity War, because we were, it was like Endgame was like bearing down on us from behind. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it made it very exciting. Yeah. Every day was an adventure. I don't, I was going to ask you how, when you heard you had to li- uh, live in Atlanta for a year, how you felt about that. Because were you, you were in Atlanta for Ant-Man, right? Yeah. Okay. So you'd um, already been there. But that was like, I don't know, five months maybe. Um, so I had already been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I really like Atlanta. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many people talk bad about it, but I, I had a great time. <laughs> I really like it. It's like a greener, more accessible L.A. at this exactly. point. At yeah. least Atlanta proper. Now, mm-hmm. our studio was out kind of, you know, 30 minutes outside the yeah. city. So the fact that we were going to live there for a year, it didn't really bother me. And at that point, I was pretty new to everything and, like, working on location and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, everything felt new and exciting and (laughs) yeah you were just always at work you know (laughs) yeah yeah towards the end it was hard because you were always at work and there was no more like traveling on the weekends for fun and stuff like that um you know that's gonna happen anywhere i think hours on the features Mm -hmm. are crazy and that's just because you know there's so much that has to be done and you want to put out a good product and Mm -hmm. make people happy and enjoy what you've been working on. Uh, so there was a lot of pressure to get it all done mm-hmm. and make it look incredible. And it does. And we worked the hours for that. <laughs> well, you got to bring your cats in on the weekend sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That was good. Uh, <laughs> don't tell anyone here. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, we basically, you become a big family, I think. And that's kind of why I love working on features, especially here. Everyone is incredibly nice and cares about each other. And you spend so many hours together that you end up having all of your own inside jokes and you have a shorthand with everyone and uh, you you get to understand how people work and how people work best. Mm. And by the end, you're you're kind of functioning on little sleep but you you understand each other and you know you fight and <laughs> bicker like a good any good family does mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day you you care about each other and you just want to you're all working towards the same goal you want to make a good movie so yeah and the hours at a certain point are hard but like i don't know there's something endearing about them to me mm. I say that now. Maybe in like five years, I'll be like, absolutely not. Never again. <laughs> How long did it take you to kind of decompress after oh, man. it was all over? <laughs> I would say for the first two months that I was off after Endgame, I would wake up at like 7 a.m. freaking out that I was late. I was like, oh, my God, what are we doing today? How many reviews do we have? Um, so, yeah, I would say probably like two months and then I had another month off after that, and it was like, okay, I could get used to, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just waking up, doing whatever I want. And now I'm working again. But it, it's definitely you have that, like, little bit of PTSD, <laughs> you, know, you know, in a mild sense. Because well, it's like, like the VFX shots, like, they sort of have different 
like endpoints, right? Like you have, mm-hmm. all right, this is where we're cutting it off for like theatrical release, and then this is where we're cutting it off for like home video. So yeah, I mean, I know with the DI, you kind of have that pie chart, and it's like, all right, mm-hmm. we finished all the shots, but there's some that are always like CBB, right? Yeah, could be better. Yeah, so it's there's never really a definitive end, right? Yeah, I mean, we're basically. And I think this happens with everyone and every project. It's taken away from you, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you always feel like there are shots that could could be better um, or that, you know, things that you're not happy with or um, things that just change so many times that there was no time to make it as perfect as it could have been. Because VFX work at the end of the day takes a long time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, I don't even know half of what goes into it. Like those artists are amazing. Uh, so there's always shots that you're like, oh, but it could have been. Yeah. Uh, but there are deadlines. And as long as the shot serves a story and is up to a certain standard, uh, sometimes we have to let a couple of those go into the final feature. And we do have cutoffs for theatrical like you said and we have cutoffs for um 3d mm-hmm. and uh for other territories and for um home video and home video sometimes has a couple shots that have been improved um just because there's a couple extra weeks of leeway in there but yeah eventually you just run out of time because there's so many shots and a lot of times they change up until the last second but overall I think the the movies look incredible. Like it's some of the best VFX work I've ever seen. It's like only the people in the VFX department would realize, like, yeah, oh, that's a CBB, or like, oh, that could have been better. Absolutely. Somebody's like, man, the shot's awesome. Like they don't even know. <laughs> I yeah, I think I yeah, I don't think most of the people watching it would ever would ever know, but we know. But granted, we saw what went into it. We saw the mm-hmm. initial product or the initial like plate. So we know what's been done to it. And so that always kind of like shapes your perspective a little bit. And sometimes you're very biased. Um, I've definitely seen shots where the supervisor's like, this could be so much better. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It looks perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, everyone just wants to be a perfectionist sometimes. That's not always possible. Do you remember like your last day? On which one? Oh, (laughs) both, I guess. Um... Well, we think, really didn't have a break, though. Yeah, we had. Well, we well, had was, really three weeks off or a month off or something, but everyone was staggered, so it didn't really feel like the yeah, end. That coincided with us coming back from Atlanta, right? Because I feel like that was a major shift for me, at least. Was yeah. Because I I still remember like being in my room at Pinewood, like I'm on Infinity War, and I'm like, what is the End Game premiere going to be like? Because it just seems so far away. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now it's like past us, and it's just crazy. And I really didn't feel a shift until I moved back to L.A. Yeah. I mean, the move back to L.A. was crazy because not only (laughs) did we move, we moved back, we moved into like temporary offices, at least the VFX team did. Um, And then we moved into our permanent offices. So it felt like we kept moving and we kept like there was just so much going on and it was so overwhelming. Um, And then we finished that movie and it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. And we still have a whole other movie to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a couple weeks off and came back and it was like, okay, let's do this. Um, 
and that movie, I think, went a lot smoother. Uh, or not smoother, but it just felt like things were clicking into place and you saw the light at the end of the tunnel at a certain point. And then the last day on Endgame, <laughs> it, man, that was such a sad time because everyone pa- basically was packing up and leaving at different times. Mm-hmm. Like every week we would lose a few more soldiers. <laughs> um, yeah, I was one of the last people. And yet turning off the Avid and taking the boxes down in my car, it was like, oh, my God. It almost doesn't feel like it's real. It doesn't feel real. And I was driving home and I was like, I made it. I survived. What a great accomplishment. And then I just started crying. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, it, like that's the end. Like that is maybe the last time that I'll work with that team. Like we had just across all departments, it was like the greatest team. And so looking back, it was like, what if I don't do this job again? What if I never work with these people again? You know, it was like that kind of spiral. Like, oh, my God, that's like family. Yeah. That's oh, like your you family. Already, you're already thinking of uh, making the transition at that point. Yeah. So it was it was emotional. And I mean, like I said, that's part of the, I don't know, comforting thing about these crazy movies is that you create a family out of thin air. Yeah. Um, it was it was good and good and sad. Sad in a good way. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you work at Marvel, your paths cross with oh, yeah. everybody at least Absolutely. You know, five more times, I know. Yeah. Because everybody I, gets recycled through. <laughs> or not I shouldn't say recycled, but just cycled through. Well and you everyone wants to stay, right? You're working with such great people um that everyone wants to keep working together. Uh, and I see, you know, I'm still here, so I see everyone all the time. But yeah, I mean, looking back, I think because we did two movies together, we all knew. You basically went through a, wo- a war. Yeah, you went you through know? a war together. Wasn't your name on the wall of the Vanished? It was. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did that come about? <laughs> um, and the wall of the Vanished, just to clarify, is when Lang, after he comes out of the, um, gosh, I'm blanking on all the, <laughs> out of the, uh, Multiverse. Multiverse. Or yeah, quantum or, realm, sorry. Uh, yeah, out of the quantum realm. Yeah. Oh, oh See, man. This is this is why I wanted these podcasts because all this stuff is escaping me. Yeah, he comes out of the quantum realm. Yeah, and then um, he comes across these structures that have the names of everybody who's been blipped out. And, of course, he comes across his own name. He's looking mm-hmm. for his daughter's name, but he comes across his own. And so a lot of those names were actual people that worked in the VFX department. So at some point... It was that we had to, like, get a bunch of names that were, like, clearable um, to put on those monoliths. And we had, like— Because before it was just, like, this kind of Greek lettering. Yes. Like, just, like, before those names were chosen. Yeah, on the actual props. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, okay. It was, like, the uh, Latin—I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, Our production manager— was running around frantically one day trying to collect everyone's names that would fit. There had to be one that was L-based because of Lang. And then mm. there just ended up being one that was D-based. So Danker made it on there. <laughs> that's actually my parents and my sister are on there as well. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and <laughs> that's that's fun to see because uh, I brought my I brought my dad to the premiere, and I didn't tell him that his name was going on there. I asked my mom, I'm like, hey, can you just verbally clear 
<laughs> your name and my dad's name and my sister's name. Um, and so I didn't tell my dad that his name was going to be on there. And uh, it popped up and he like saw it out of the corner of his eye and he like turned and looked at me and I just started laughing in the middle of the premiere. And he was like, oh, my God. Oh, that's, that's um, a nice little uh, Easter egg. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. You know, you work on these big movies and you get to put little Easter eggs in there like that. Yeah, well, I was talking to Jeff about his. He has like little voice cameos. Oh yeah, yeah. he was uh, get that rabbit guy and yeah. Well, it's fun to listen to um, like the temp audio, like before it gets to the final mix, uh, and they do all the final recordings because Jeff does a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. he does a lot of it himself, and he's so good at it. He really is. Yeah, like when he when he does Hulk. Like, yeah, it's just he nails it. He does. It's so great. He's done Groot, too. Oh, and he I has think done he's done Groot. Rocket. Yeah. yeah. It's always so funny. And you're like, is that Jeff? <laughs> yeah, I remember Hector was saying, like, he, he would just come in his room to record. Yeah. Like, if he, if he wasn't recording with Robin, he'd come in uh, Hector's room, and he's like, all right, I'm going to do Hulk. Don't laugh. And then, just like, <laughs> and then he would just go full on, you know, exactly how you should do it. Yeah. And then, you know, we just mark it up and pass it to him, and then it's yeah. put in the cut. It's Yeah. No, he's incredible. Yeah. Just <laughs> an incredible talent all the way around. I know, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think about how to transition to this, but I wanted to ask you, since looking back on my guests on the show, you are currently the only female guest. Yes. So I wanted to talk about being a woman in a very male-dominated industry. <laughs> I mean, are you are you conscious of that, or are you just like, whatever, man, I'm just doing my job? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're always kind of conscious of it in the back of your mind. Um. The shows I have been on have been very male-centric. Now, the interesting thing about uh, Infinity War and Endgame is that the VFX team was mostly female, um, which was cool. That was kind of one of the first times I'd seen that, uh, and it was great. It wasn't like it was any different, like the work was any different. It was all great, but it was cool to see so many females in an industry that has been so male-dominated. Editorial is interesting because... The shows I have worked on have, it's been a, a lot of uh, males, um, especially VFX editorial. I've only met a couple female VFX editors, uh, and I'm not sure why that is, but I don't know. It's it's kind of like you're here to do your job, and everyone's kind of going towards the same goal. They want to make a good movie. They want to be a part of something. Um, I think this was hard because it was like, Joining a team where I was so young uh, and kind of figuring out what, like, running a team would look like, uh, especially with, like, Jeff and Matt who have done it forever. So it, it's not necessarily – I think, like, the age for me was all, was more important mm. than yeah. uh, the gender. But, yeah, I mean, I would love to see more females in the <laughs> film industry, honestly. So I think it's a whole different perspective. I'm on a team now that – uh, I'm the only female in the editorial team and we talk about it a lot and it's kind of just like I think it's I think it should there should be more females because you get a different perspective out of it right the choices that I make are shaped through my experience and that's true for everyone but there I think there is somewhat of a you know a gender experience that sometimes people can't really ident like understand or identify with or make choices from the get-go based on that until you talk to each other 
Like mm -hmm. you and I would probably make very different choices just based on our experiences. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I love seeing females in the industry and there weren't very many in school and there haven't been, <laughs> yeah. there haven't been so far. I, I know Victoria is uh, a big proponent of that. Like, yeah bringing females into Marvel, which is great mm -hmm. uh, because like the crew I'm working on right now is, you know, it's a good mix of, yeah. you know, not just male, female, but all different kinds of, mm -hmm. you know, nationalities and everything. And one of the editors uh, was saying that there was a line to the female restroom mm -hmm. and uh, Victoria was in that line and she was just like, I just want to say that it's amazing that there's a line <laughs> in the female restroom because... For the longest time, it was just me. And so I just want to take in this moment. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's just really nice. That, you know. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And even at the, like, the time that I've been here, which is, what, like five years, I think, at this point, uh, there's been so many females coming in. And it's great. It's, it's really cool to see. Uh, I hope that's not just here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope it's everywhere else. I don't know. Like, why, why is it male-dominated? Yeah, I don't right? know. I, I wish. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think we're going to have a guest here. Come on in. You recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Look at you with your headphones. Look who it is. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. Yeah. What are you doing here on Saturday? Working. Starting at noon today, though. Wow. Oh, is it already so, noon? Wow. Yeah. We've just been chatting. Yeah. You know Emily's in editorial now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you like it? I do. I mean, it's an animated show, so it's really like being thrown into the fire. Right. Uh, like I'm assembling storyboards and doing sound effects and scoring, right. and it's just like, here's the scene, run with it. It's like, oh, God. That's cool, though. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to learn. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'll let you guys alone. I won't bother you. I won't bang on the door and make a lot of noise out here. <laughs> Lies. Well, He'll be in here like five more times. I know. I'll be back in like uh, two minutes. Okay. Uh, well, going off of it. Oh my God. Amazing. Uh, how many times did I say five? <laughs> What are you guys talking about? What are you guys, <laughs> what are you guys doing? Yeah. Is this a podcast for Endgame? Yeah. That's very cool. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Especially the VFX editing. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks. Do you have, do you have... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I work in the... Um, so we're on the Disney lot, right? So I work in the cutting building. Uh, and it's pretty funny because the cutting building... Or the camera, I work in the camera building. Oh, my God. Okay, let's start over. The cutting oh, yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a cutting building. Don't worry, I get there. Oh. Okay. So on the show I'm on now, we're in the camera building on the Disney lot, which is right next to the cutting building. Because way back in the day, they, it's separate buildings for all the different stages of the production. So we're in the camera building right now, and there is only a men's restroom. There's no women's restroom because women weren't working in camera when the building was built. And in the wow. cutting building, there is a women's restroom. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> because women used to do all the cutting. Uh, so it is a huge, obviously it's changing and they're tearing stuff down and it's all going to be, you know, <laughs> modernized. Mm -hmm. But when we walked in, it was like, 
oh my gosh, like this was, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like this gender divide for jobs is a big deal. Uh, and it, it was like a, a blast from the past. But it was funny because I was the only one on the team who had to deal with it. Everyone else was like, yeah, fine, okay, we're moved buildings. And I'm like, guys, where do I go to the restroom? Oh my like gosh. I have to get special access to a whole other building to use the restroom. <laughs> that is, yeah, and that's something that like they obviously were not thinking about because yeah. they probably just saw the men's room and yeah. now it's like you just assume that there's probably a, a women's room like a couple doors down yeah. and you don't even check and yeah, I, yeah. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. It's it's so weird. It's and it's I mean it's a historical building at this point on yeah. a lot, so it just it hasn't been addressed yet. Uh, but it was it was very weird. It was a very big reminder of wow. like how things used to be, and obviously we're getting way way better. Yeah, now uh, it's like we're combining the bathroom into one. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's so crazy. Like I love where we're going, and I hope that you know, it, it's not. It won't even be a conversation in the future. Like you know. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, as the generations. Yeah. So we're kind of coming off the tail end of, I want to say, baby boomers. Right. And their, um, I don't know if you could say mindset, but with everything that's kind of evolving with this new generation and kind of the millennials, it'll be interesting to see how that translates once we yeah. more or less start running the show. And then the generation behind us, I wonder if you know, the reaction to our progressiveness will revert back to, <laughs> you know, the, how it was with the baby boomers or something, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of things in life, it's like a pendulum, right? You mm-hmm. just swing wildly to extremes. But I mean, I think the changes that are being made now, it's just, it's based on fairness, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of our mindset, at least at our age, is like, just make everything fair. Everyone gets the same opportunities as everyone else. And especially like, you know, when we were hiring VFX editors, it wasn't like, well, we're going to hire her because she's a female or we're going to hire him because he's a male. It was just like, who's the most qualified? Mm -hmm. And like, if they happen to be a female, then great. We've changed the ratio. And I I hope I hope that's where it goes, where it's like everyone's given equal equal opportunity based on, you know, their skill set. Their skill set and their personality, right? Like if you're a good fit or not, just not just like, well, she's he's a male, so obviously he's more <laughs> capable. Right, right. Um, and I think that's also why it's important to talk about like the fact that I had to cry at work because it just got to that point where it was like you feel so much stress. Like that's not a thing that a lot of people talk about, especially being, you know, in this industry where it's high stress all the time, like Everyone handles things differently, and as long as you're qualified to do the job and you get the job done, like, that should be a thing. It, that should be what's most important. Everybody wants to seem like they have their shit together. Yeah. Really, if you just pull back the layers, it's like everybody's freaking out to a certain extent, you know? <laughs> We're all just running around screaming inside <laughs> of our heads. <laughs> I mean, everybody's just trying to survive, yeah. you know? I mean, I think, especially at this studio, the fact that Victoria's made it such a such a big deal that like we will bring in female talent to the studio is great mm-hmm. it's setting such a great example uh and i hope all other studios are doing that or will begin to do that because you know everyone's as talented as everyone else right i think in this industry you're a little bit constantly on edge right you're always mm-hmm. waiting for 
I don't know, the ladder is such a big thing that like everyone's trying to claw their way to the top and it, it is a, a bit competitive. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that about here at Marvel. Um, I would, but just in, in the industry in general, and I'm sure there's tons of news stories um, about it, but it's like everyone's trying to claw their way to the top and and it breeds a, a kind of like, not jerk mentality, but it, it's easy to kind of shut down and be like, I'm just doing, I'm, I'm going towards this goal and like, nobody better aside. get in my way. Yeah, yeah, nobody better get in my way. Um, and I, I think we've all run into those people mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> at some point, and I'm sure we'll run into more. And I don't think it needs to be that way. As an industry, we can all be nicer to each other. Yeah. Like What Jeff was talking about during his podcast was how collaborative making a movie is mm-hmm. and how important that collaboration is. And it's very hard to kind of be kind of the sole person who can who thinks they can do it all because you can't. Yeah. You, you need, like you were saying, other people's inputs, other people's perspectives, yeah. other people's help, you know, in general. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting to work on these big movies because there are so many people involved. And it's constantly a, like, go around the room, let's get everyone's ideas, we'll try them all. Or the best idea wins. Or, you know, like, it's not just about one person taking it all. It's, let's talk it out. Let's come up with a game plan. Let's, you know, bounce ideas off of each other. Like, a lot of those meetings where we would go into Jeff's room and it would be Gerardo, the um, previs post uh supervisor, uh, and it would be uh, Dan, our VFX supervisor, and Jeff, and it would literally be the three of them just bouncing ideas off of each other. It was, like, the coolest, <laughs> like, what if we did this, and then this would happen, and then, oh, yeah, like, this guy could come in, and we could introduce this guy, and, like, we'd do this move, and then it would, you know, the camera would pan over here. It was, you know, watching a scene come to life in real time, um, and it, it was three people in a room just kind of having an open discussion about what would be cool, what would help the story. Uh, so I do think you need tons of people around you from all walks of life, honestly, and, you know, all have different perspectives. That must have been really cool to sit in on for your own, like, absorption. Yeah. To be like, wow, this is, I mean, you have these people who are at the top and they're, you basically have access to this highly creative process. Or like, yeah. you're, you're in the think tank, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that was one of the coolest parts. I've been super lucky because uh, before... I was VFX editing, I was doing VFX PA work, but I got lucky because I was the PA who was running the reviews. So I would run RV um, and I would organize all the shots for like in the high res versions to show the directors in the studio. So as a PA, I was getting to be in the room while they were talking about all of this stuff, like basically making the movie come together, which was crazy. Like the biggest learning experience because um, you really saw how a creative process went and, like, how people communicated with each other about certain ideas. So that was super cool. And then getting to VFX edit and, like, sit in the room with, you know, Jeff and Dan and Gerardo and have them, like, create <laughs> magic out of thin air was awesome. 
you know, I wasn't necessarily participating at that moment. It was more like taking notes, like, oh, my God, I have so much work to do after I get out of this meeting. Um, but it was still – it's infectious to be around, Yeah, if that makes sense. It, yeah. it, it makes you more excited to keep working on movies. And then the movie comes out and people go nuts. And then you're like, oh, my God, this is why I did this. Yeah. How was that for you? Like to see the reactions after it was released? I mean, did you happen to see Endgame like in a theater outside of the premiere? Mm -hmm. I did. So we're <laughs> my friends and I have started to make it a tradition where uh, when I finish a movie, we get all of our friends together and we go see it opening night. So Infinity War and Endgame were extremely hyped. So like there were tons and tons of people uh and so, yeah, we just picked a theater and went opening night. And uh, those those are really special to me because it it's that moment of, like, you've worked really hard on something. And, like, you know, I'm, I wasn't making, <laughs> like, creative decisions that were affecting the cut in any way. I was more, you know, doing the technical stuff, getting shots in and making sure everything was okay. But it, you were sitting there like, oh, my God, I was a part of this. Like, people are in the seat next to me losing their mind, like, crying, cheering, uh, feeling this enormous range of emotions over something that I was part of. Yeah, and you spent so much time on. Yeah. And now you get to share it with everybody. Yeah. After having to keep it secret for so long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like, yeah. still when I say Iron Man dies, I still, like, look <laughs> I, I still too. like look around. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, you're not supposed to say that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wait. Mm, that's been out for a long time. Uh, yeah, no, I do that, too. But it's so I don't know. It's like this extreme high. I think this like drug of like having people emotionally react to something that you were part of. Did you see it? Yeah. Outside in the theater? Yeah, I went to a screening at the uh, Man's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Oh, nice. And... <laughs> I just wanted to say good luck. We're all counting on you, Emily. Oh my Do a god! Good podcast and make it interesting. <laughs> all right, so he's gonna come back one more time. <laughs> oh my god. Well, anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing it in the theaters is awesome. Like people go nuts. Yeah. Well, you see the reactions in the friends and family screenings. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, like people are really really feeling these movies but then once it gets out in the public and the anticipation is building and building and building and then it's finally released and you just hear about people like cheering and crying and mm -hmm. going nuts it just validates everything and you're just like wow and then it, it just exceeds your expectations especially when you actually sit in the theater and see yeah. people gasping like you it, and you know when those parts are coming up mm -hmm. Like when Cap catches the yeah. hammer, yeah. you're just like, man, people are going to freak out. And then it happens and people are like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it's so great to it's, know that you, yeah, you have been a part of it since the beginning. And that you saw all the iterations and you saw it come to life. Yeah. Because, I mean, we start with basic plates and then it turns into this like crazy thing with all the sound and the music. Yeah. And at a certain point, especially being an editorial, I mean, you just see the movie a gazillion times yeah. and some of it just becomes like oh yeah that's funny like mm -hmm. it's still funny but not as funny as it you was you get pretty desensitized yeah. pretty quickly when you're yeah <laughs> when it, it becomes work for a second right yeah yeah when you have to like turn over 11 reels to like three different vendors and you're like wow yeah but, um 
then when you see it with other people, it kind of re-energizes the whole thing for you. Totally. Yeah. I mean, even the job I'm at now, I'm having to uh, kind of pull sound effects from stems from other movies to kind of help, you know, build the sound design for what we're doing. Um, <laughs> the other day, actually, I was in Endgame and mm -hmm. I got to the, it's my favorite shot in the whole movie. It's like the pullback when everyone's coming out of the portals and it's that side angle and it's pulling yeah. back and it's revealing like everybody and the music is like going nuts and I get like goosebumps every time. <laughs> And I was just in my bay the other day, just like watching the movie at that point, like, oh my God, I still feel it. It still feels so good. I was in Infinity War and uh, Cap 3 Civil War, and I'm like pulling sound effects, and I'm like, these movies still look great. Yeah. I mean, I know Infinity War is only, what was that, 2018 that came out? Yeah. So not oh that long God. ago. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. I just uh, I'm already I'm already feeling the nostalgia for it all. <laughs> I know, right? But I mean, I think that kind of experience is true with anything that you make, right? Mm -hmm. You show it to people, and you want to kind of share an emotional experience, and that's kind of what movie making is. Um, it's making art that you hope other people can enjoy or get something out of or share in with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that range is true for all forms of art, but especially movies because, you know, <laughs> a lot of them are engineered to make you feel something. Mm -hmm. um, but even on the smaller scale, like shorts or super indie features or small stuff like that, uh, it, it's it's someone being like, here is a thought or here is how I feel or here is, a, you know, an experience. Let's talk about it. Let's experience it together. Let's go through it together. Uh, the Marvel movies is such a big thing because so many people are like emotionally invested in it and they've all for for Marvel it's all been the movies have all been so good that it's gathered this massive audience um, but it's the same thing right it's we all want to be we all want to feel like a superhero and mm -hmm. and feel like there's good in the world and that you know it's that escapism theory uh but that, you know, people can feel good and people can help each other be better and help each other through hard times. Like, that's what a lot of these movies kind of boil down to. It's like mm -hmm. superheroes <laughs> helping the world yeah. and helping each other and making each other better and making the world a better place. And, you know, it's bound to make you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, character in the MCU? Um, my favorite character is probably Iron Man. Oh. Um, Classic. Yeah, I was not, honestly, I was not a superhero person, uh, especially, like, growing up, I didn't read the comics or anything like that. Like, I look at a comics page, and I kind of freak out because I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much information in such a, like, the bubble, like, the, you know, thought or speech bubbles and, you know, lines of the different dialogue. panels and everything. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, I want to take it all in right now, and I can't. I have to, like, focus myself so I always had a hard time reading them. And uh, one day in college, I was super sick. And one of my friends stopped by my dorm room. And he's like, here, watch uh, Iron Man. Like it had just, I think it had just come out mm. in like 2009. And he's like, here, watch watch Iron Man. It's really good. And I was like, okay, sure. And I watched it and I loved it. I was like, this is so much fun. Mm -hmm. Like this is a superhero who 
you know, he's cracking jokes and like super whip smart and really well paced. And I, abs- I absolutely loved it. I did like editing analysis on it wow. for school. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and so then, you know, years later, I got the chance to work at Marvel and I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really cool. And ever since I've been working here, it's like, you know, you fall in love with all the characters. Mm-hmm. But Iron Man, I think, is still still my favorite deep down. So it was real sad <laughs> when he died. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> sad. <laughs> well, I remember when we first started on Infinity War, you know, we were lucky at a certain point to read the scripts, at least me and Hector were. And I just remember we had read that Iron Man had died. Got to look around. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> And um, kind of at the same time, uh, I think I was having a conversation with you and you're talking about how your biggest gripe with these movies is that at the end, everything was sort of wrapped up nicely in a bow. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the characters, they had their um, kind of conflict, yeah. but it ends up getting resolved at yeah. the end. And you're like, I wish somebody would just die. <laughs> I know. Well, let's be honest. This was during Infinity War, so I had a lot of, like, <laughs> murderous vibes. Um, yeah, no. I it, it, I I really felt it after Civil War. I was like, we need. I want the stakes to be like so high because now I love these characters so much. I mean, I'm probably biased because I've worked <laughs> I've worked here for a bit, um, but I love the characters so much that like I want those stakes there. Like, I want someone to die because it's gonna make me care even more. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it. It would just <laughs> – my heart would explode. Um, and so at the end of Civil War, I was, I was I was like screaming. I'm like, come on, just kill Tony. Let's see what that does to Cap. Like I want that. Obviously, this was a much better outcome. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like that we've gone there now because it can only for, – it forces you to address it, right? Mm-hmm. If no one ever dies, then – What's the point? Well, that's morbid. Uh, <laughs> What's the point of life if nobody ever dies? Oh, man. What a line. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, but like in these movies, you want you want that to be a big fear. That's, that's a real life fear. Right. Like if you mm-hmm. go into a situation that's dangerous, like someone could die at any moment, like that <laughs> shoots your adrenaline up immediately. Um and, you know, these movies, people punching each other and it, no one – I mean, this is the gripe I have with DC. Oh, God, don't release this to them. Um, <laughs> but it's like if people are just punching each other without anything happening afterwards, any consequences, then, like, what's the point? It's just, yeah, these really <laughs> – these superheroes can just hurt each other and it, it has no effect that's what kind of, you know, that's what kind of upsets me. And obviously this whole MCU has been building up to what happened in Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I am happy with the ending personally, mm-hmm. even though it hurts. Uh, but, uh, you know, it puts stakes on it. It puts stakes on the entire MCU now. You know, those movies are already, you know, sci-fi fantasy based. Yeah. Tony Dying brings another human element to the whole yeah. legacy. It's good. It. it humanizes everyone i think and even the way cap ended Mm -hmm. like let me tell you old cap (laughs) (laughs) i think a lot of people don't want to see cap get old and that was hard in its own sense like he's always perfect chris evans Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's just what he is Mm -hmm. uh 
so yeah, even that was hard. It's like the end of an era. And it's sort of taken on a life of its own as far as like meme culture. Mm. And like, I mean, so many memes, you know, and it's even just, artwork. I saw today uh, someone had done a painting of uh, Cap snapping uh, at the end. Like, what if Cap was the one who took the gauntlet and snapped? Oh, and they wow. had like it was really detailed. It was like same pose, same everything, like all the glowing energy. I was like, "Ooh, that's cool." People spin off this stuff so much. It's crazy. It's like its own form of art. Yeah. There's a joke that I heard. Your mom was so fat Thanos had to snap twice. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay, so Thanos, when Thanos came out, it was crazy because everyone was like, this is the best villain. Mm-hmm. And he became this like <laughs> this weird form of a superhero. Like yeah. people were totally behind Thanos as a idea and character. And it was like he was as popular for <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a yeah. lot of the people the, out there. The anti-hero for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was like up there with like Iron Man. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> After Infinity War, he was, you know, the winner. Mm-hmm. But you never think, I don't know, you don't think that a villain will become that popular. And no, like, especially a purple, like, yeah. man that looks like he's got a ball yeah. set for a chin or something. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but the way they designed him is really good. It's yeah. very, it, it's, it was uh, very human. Yes. The, the way that they were able to transfer Brolin's performance from, like, you know, just him in his mocap suit to... Uh, the actual character. I mean, because yeah. you look at Thanos and you're like, Brolin is there. Yeah. It's well, crazy. That was, I mean, going back to the VFX side of things, like that was a big deal for uh, Dan, our VFX supervisor. He he basically worked with DD um, and Weta mm-hmm. to redesign the Thanos model. Because in the other movies, he had been in other movies for brief snippets. Um, but it was like, okay, he has to work for this movie, like you said earlier. Uh, how do we make him uh, relatable as mm-hmm. a character? Like, because that's what you want in a villain, like to understand their motives and really believe them. Um, and so they basically took Brolin and mapped him to this model and kind of adjusted some of his features to fit on that bigger face. Because Thanos is. I don't remember how tall he is. I want to say like nine feet or something like that, eight feet. Um, So everything is bigger. And so they had to find a way to accurately map him onto that character and onto that rig. And they made his face move like Brolin's face moved. That was a big part of that first test that they did. It was like getting all of the pore detail and the eyes and the eyelashes and like the bags under your eyes and like how they move and your cheeks and it was all mapped to Berlin. So it was crazy. It's crazy to see some of the, like there's some how-to stuff uh, that we cut in for some how-to videos Mm. um, way back when, but you you can see all of these little uh, slider dial things moving on the animation pass that are basically controlling his face per what wow. Brolin's doing in the face cam. So it's nuts. But that's what made him so relatable. It was like, I can see a human mm-hmm. in in there. It doesn't matter that he's purple or that he has these scars on his face or that his face is a different shape. Like, 
I see a person, especially like in the eyes, now I believe what they're saying. And now like he's making sense on some of his points like, oh, my God, this is like a villain with a real purpose. And he is terrifying. He's so calm and collected that he's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and that's what made him so successful. It's a crazy character design. Yeah. I can't. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Everything you said was very true and spot on. <laughs> um, you know, do you have any advice for anybody who's trying to get into the industry? Mm. I would say that every job counts. So working hard at every little thing and showing showing everyone around you that you can take on whatever's thrown at you, that you can handle it. Um, that's very important. Even as a PA, like mm-hmm. you're doing mundane tasks like getting people coffee and getting food and organizing papers and printing stuff. But it's like if you can do that efficiently and like quickly and without <laughs> making a, you know, a big deal for the people around you, it's noticed. Even if they're not, even if you don't think it is, it's all noticed. And it's all everyone in the industry knows everyone else at a certain point. When you're quietly working really hard, people notice and you start getting recommended to other people for jobs. It's whatever you can get. It's really like everybody's story is different. Like how they get their first job, there's no like through line. Yeah. It's just like it just happens. Yeah. And it happens through like they always say luck and preparation. You know, but it's true. It's like, yeah, like even when you're working, you never know when your next job is going to be. Yeah. Or where it's going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. You, you basically just want to make a good impression everywhere. And I mean, that's sometimes that's hard to do. You're in stressful situations and a lot is being thrown at you at once and you're doing something that you don't really want to be doing or that you like. But it, it all works towards something else. I mean, my first job was logging reality stars like yelling at each other like writing everything that they drunkenly say to each other so that they could then craft it into a story for a show later and it was painful it was super painful um you know it, it was it was a job it was around kind of it was in the film industry sort of it was around what i wanted to where i wanted to go from there and it was good experience and you know I look back on that and pull grit from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, everyone's story is different. There's no easy way to be like, you need to do this and that will turn into this job and then you will get what you want, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, I know I struggled with this when I was younger was, oh, I'm not at the place I should be at this age or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's all BS because if I got the job that I thought I deserved you know at a certain age there's no way i would have been able to do it without (laughs) everything that came before it yeah you know because i just learned little bits from each thing that i've done yeah and i still have a lot to learn yeah and i mean this industry is interesting because it's so tech like technology based Mm -hmm. that the technology changes yeah so fast Mm -hmm. like the version of avid that we're on right now won't be the version of avid we're on on the next show yeah you're constantly learning more stuff and like I'm constantly learning from the people around me, like, hey, how do you do this thing 
that Mm -hmm. we're trying to do. And it's like, oh, you just click this and go do this and organize it this way and then you're done. It's like, oh, that saved me hours. Yeah. Um, And you like, like I look back on, you know, older projects or like stuff I did in college and I was like, oh my God, I wasted so much time. Like if I had known these shortcuts or this way of doing something or this way of thinking about organizing something, could have saved myself. Yeah. Um, but it's all part of the learning experience. Yeah. Every Everything turns into perspective. Like right. Going back to what we were talking about, like everyone has done something different in their life. Yeah. And that's going to lead to a different way of telling a story. Yeah. And like Jeff was saying when I interviewed him, it's it's like you're just always more or less chasing it. You know, you finish a project and then you try to implement what you've learned on the next project. And then you learn stuff on that project and you take that with you to the next one. And it's yeah. just a chain of events. And then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting job in that sense because it's like you're never fully finished or complete. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that is what keeps you going, though. Yeah. Because, like, if you're, you know, just working on the same show, you might feel like it's you're getting stagnant. Like, let's say you, you know, are working on The Simpsons, like, even though that's cool. But if you're doing the same job for 30 years, I could see how you might feel like, man, I want to try something else. Yeah. Or other people might be like, well, you're working on the best show of all time it's like well yeah but i'm just doing the same thing every day yeah you know and i mean i do wonder like story wise like if you really like the story that you're telling like if you were on the simpsons and you're like i really like telling these little stories mm-hmm. every week um then yes good i think a lot of the people that i've worked with are very much like okay now i want to try something new now i now I want to tell a different story. Like, what about this? What about that? And that's what keeps them going. So it's definitely like everyone has kind of something different that they want to get out of right. or what they're doing in this If you have industry. a family or not. Like, I know yeah. some assistants that they just want to take, like, a low-budget jobs because it yeah. allows them to have a 9-to-5 schedule. Yeah. And that's great. So they can be with their kids. Yeah. Um, so everybody's place within the industry is different. And yeah. And it all d- depends on what you want. Totally. And I mean, going back to like females in the industry, like this job with kids as a female is very intimidating. Like I don't have kids, but that's something that I think about all the time. Like if you were to have kids, if I was to have kids in the future, working until 2 a.m. prepping for the DI isn't going to be easy. Yeah. And how how does that affect (laughs) what I've chosen to do with my life? (laughs) Um, So it's every day you kind of have to like decide like check in with yourself and be like okay am I still do is this still fulfilling like am I enjoying Mm. this is this still worth it and I think that's a big deal I mean I think for dads too yeah for anyone really but I think for moms there's a there's this like extra societal pressure of like you're supposed to be there all the time Mm. for your kids and I've seen some women in the industry struggle with that deeply like that their kids are growing up without them i mean i've seen men do it too yeah uh and it's really hard so yeah i mean taking some of these jobs with kids would be and it's a it's a constant like check-in mm-hmm. like or is this still okay is this still what i want to do am i still able to you know go to work and be happy and come home and be happy like is that all still I don't know, it's part of figuring out life. And I think that that's across all industries. Yeah. But this one especially because there are so many hours. Like growing up, my parents were always, they got off work at a normal time. Mm -hmm. They could, you know, 
take sick days when yeah. we're sick. Like it's such a different mentality in the film industry. You work until the movie is done, like on these big ones, at least on these big features. And that's hard. That's really hard. That's the thing that scares me a mm. lot. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the industry is changing, evolving so much. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and work hours are being more regulated and it, yeah. it's more about like creating a work-life balance. Yeah. And it's it, becoming more important. It is becoming more important. It also, it's hard in our industry because each crew is different in the sense of like, you could be working with a director who just happens to like to work at night. Yeah. And that's just how it is. Like you can't set your own schedule necessarily unless you're yeah. at the top. You right, know? right, right. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe one day we will yeah. be able to do that. And, I mean, you also have to kind of battle with, like, do you like doing it? Like, if you're telling a story yes. that's, like, really important to you, do those hours even matter? Like, yeah, they probably fly by. I mean, they do fly by. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. We worked for so many hours oh, yeah. that it feels like it just happened immediately. But, yeah, I mean, if you're telling a story that you really, really love, that's also important. I don't know. Questions to ponder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, like, I've worked on a project that – I did not like the movie mm. one bit, mm -hmm. and I did struggle with that. But at the same time, you're like, you know, you kind of justify other things as far as like, well, the crew's really nice. And yeah, I'm sure I, you learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, also, you know, I'm getting a paycheck, yeah. so that's nice. And it was a short schedule, so yeah. I'm like, well. Yeah, so no, there, that's very true. You just start looking at other things to sort of justify it, but, yeah, it's all stuff to think about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all here for a reason. We yeah. all chose to do this yes. for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you got – I don't remember how you got in. Oh, to Marvel? Well, just into the industry in general. Well, um, I – Did you always want to do it? Let's talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you my aha moment as far as yeah. uh, editing. I knew I wanted to do something visual. Yeah. My one professor, he would make short films for theater productions. There'd be a play, and then they cut to, like, a, a video portion of it. And – I was just kind of hanging around one day, and he's like, oh, do you want to try cutting these scenes together? Because I, I got other stuff I'm working on. I was like, okay, sure. Put something together, and I showed him, and he was like, oh, why don't you try this? Like, instead of doing this, why don't you try this? And he, like, switched the angle of a shot mm -hmm. and, like, put in a different performance. And I saw how the whole thing changed. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And um, that was kind of my aha moment. I was like, holy smokes, I kind of like this. So, <laughs> I, started, so cool. I started doing more of that, and then... And then when I moved out to L.A., I just found that, like, people were always looking for editors. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody wanted to be a cameraman. Everybody wanted to be a director or whatever. So I would just go on Craigslist and find these jobs of, like, you know, this guy was shooting trade shows in, like, Las Vegas. And he just had all this cell phone footage. And he wanted to put together, like, these cool little vignettes. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. And so I just became, like, this editor guy. Not for any big projects or anything. But that kind of started my trajectory. And I was like, oh, okay. Because when I moved out to L.A., I didn't even know, like, what a assistant editor was or anything like that. Right. So, yeah, and then I was working in a restaurant for money because I wasn't making any money. <laughs> and then one of the customers was uh, Robert Layton, and he was an editor. And we kind of just became friendly. Mm -hmm. And I told him I wanted to get in the post because he was like, what do you want to, you know, what are you trying to do? And I was like, oh, I really like to get in the post-production. So one time he just gave me a call and was like, hey, my PA just quit on this movie. Do you want the job? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first, uh, it was on The Intern with Nancy Myers. Oh, that's awesome. In like 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of started snowballing from there. Yeah. And I still remember like after that job ended, I was like, what now? You know? 
and I didn't work for like a couple months. And then I just got a call from one of the assistants on that show and was like, hey, can I put your resume in for this other PA job? And I was like, yeah. And I didn't get that job, but still on like a stack of, you know, whatever yeah. other resumes yeah, and yeah. I ended up getting another job like six months later and crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's such a different trajectory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I appreciate that because there were times like before I got the Infinity Ward job, I was a PA and I was kind of like, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. Because I was in like my late 20s and I was feeling that like, oh, I should be here by this point and blah, 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 blah. Right. I don't know what my next step is, you know? Right. But then I finally got my hours and dealt with contract services. <laughs> and everything kind of aligned where like, I just got into the union right when that apprentice position was opening up. Yeah. The stars aligned and then Jeff chose me. So yeah, that was great. <laughs> well, he trusted you. Yeah. You'd already been on Dr. Strange at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that because I thought that he knew me from Civil War because that's when I started. Right. It was on the very end of Civil War. But he's like, yeah, I don't remember you from there. I remember you from Dr. Strange uh, because I thought you looked like Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> But he was like on Doctor Strange, he was kind of away from the main crew. Yeah. And he was in a bungalow like across a lot. So whenever I'd go to, to like deliver his facing pages or his mm -hmm. line script or whatever, it was just like, you know, he would see me. Yeah. And throughout the day, he would see Robin. Yeah. And me. Yeah. And then maybe like Kevin Feige would come over there, but he stayed pretty isolated over there. And I think that was to my benefit that like I was one of the. Yeah, one of the faces. One of the faces that he would see, you know. Yeah. I mean, just even that, it's like who knows how that one thing is going to affect you, right? Like yeah, you happen to be the person and so then you got the job and then you worked on the two biggest movies ever. And then yeah. you never know where your next job is going to come from. Robin told me a story where he went into Adam Cole, our post-supervisor's office, and he said, you know, I don't He's like, this was like a month after I started. And he's like, I don't think Corey knows as much as I thought he did. And Adam was kind of like, well, you know, we can still replace him. <laughs> or should we, oh find, should we find somebody else? Right. I'll have to ask Adam about that if I ever interview him. But, <laughs> um, and Robin was like, no, we'll give him a shot. You know, because the train was rolling. Yeah. There was no stopping. And no. I think even like if I was to be replaced, I mean, that would have been a huge, just getting me caught up to speed. Yeah was such a monumental feat well and that know? was yeah i mean that was the hard hard part about these huge movies is that yeah. the train was rolling and i think in a sense we were never gonna let each other fail if that makes right. sense like yeah. even though we hit hard times like because i i was also struggling to like figure out what i was supposed to be doing and like how to do my job when i got there i was the only person there and so i was the first one in the office mm. we didn't have the project set up and so I was setting up a project for the first time ever, and I was calling Robin constantly, like, help me, help me. And he wasn't even on the show yet. Um, and I came in one morning, and there had been a storm, and uh, my project – I couldn't open my project for some reason. And I was calling back to the Disney Avid team, like, help me, help me, help me. And apparently the Avid – like, the ISIS – um, went down. There was a huge storm and power lines um, like arced during the storm. And okay. so the Nexus or the uh, ISIS at that point, it went down. And then when the stuff uh, arced, <laughs> it didn't boot back up properly. And so it corrupted the whole project I had set up. 
And that's how I started the show. So like from that point on, I was I was so scared to do anything. I was so scared to move stuff around and like <laughs> thought I was going to corrupt it all. Uh, but that was just it. It was like everyone was you know, trying to catch up as fast as possible with this huge movie and all this stuff that we had to set up and all these process processes that we had never done before. I don't know. In the back of my mind, I was always like, it always felt like someone was there to help. Like yeah. we were all going to catch each other. Mm -hmm. Like if I messed something up, Robin <laughs> was there to fix it, even though he didn't want it. <laughs> I know you, Robin. You didn't want to fix it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but Robin was always there like, yeah. hey, you should do it this way or try this way or let's fix it. Um, and same for me. Like we ran into mocap issues mm -hmm. galore. And we were always – you and I were always going back and forth on like, well, let's try this instead of this and let's keep it labeled this way. And maybe we'll take on this task so that, that frees up you to do this other task. Mm -hmm. We were always – I think we were always meant to just kind of like catch each other. Yeah. That's funny that, that Robin went to Adam. I, I have to mention this in every podcast too, but were you there for the stink bomb incident or no? Was I there? Oh, my God. Okay, so Robin comes in <laughs> to my office and he's like, I'm going to do this prank. And I was like, don't do it, man. That's not a smart idea. He's like, I'm going to do it. So he launches it. It it activates. Adam pulls open the drawer. It activates. And Robin comes running into my office and shuts the door and is laughing, so, like hysterically. Hysterically. And Adam is angry, of course. Mm -hmm. I was like, I told you this would happen. You shouldn't have done this. This is so bad. He just like on the couch crying. He's laughing so hard. Oh man! And then this, what a dark time. Oh, you, <laughs> your office was right across from Adam's yeah. office. Oh, so you? Because I remember I smelled it way down on the other end, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. And then Frank's gone wrong. I never seen him that upset. Well, it was <laughs> in Adam's defense. Like we were at that point in the show where it was extremely crazy, mm -hmm. especially for him, because I think that was when he was basically trying to <laughs> mount an editorial unit in Scotland. Oh, mm -hmm. He was prepping for that, I believe, or something around that time. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, you know, pulling a prank on someone who's extremely stressed. <laughs> oh, fun times. <laughs> the thing that got me was the tape on the door to the bathroom that you guys would always use. Tape like, on the door. You don't remember that. You, you guys, like, put tape... Right at, like, face level on that door frame to that bathroom in our wing and, like, when someone was in it. <laughs> and so they would open the door and walk out and hit oh. it. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I got caught in that <laughs> a few times. Was that a Matt, was that a Matt doing? I, I think so. There were a lot of pranks. I survived unscathed somehow. Yes. I think I think I gave off the air of don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're shaking your head, yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, I mean, there was like a, I don't want to say there was a divide, but it was like, yeah. we, we we were very conscious of like, VFX is completely overwhelmed. <laughs> like, we don't want to, like, if there was a prank that was going to happen, I think it was either going to be geared towards Robin <laughs> or Adam, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also, like, we didn't want Jeff to know that things were going down <laughs> necessarily because why? Everything was fine, Jeff. Nothing happened. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we just we just we knew we knew you were overloaded, so we didn't want yeah. to bother you with with there silly was, silly tricks. There was a weird divide that I don't like that I want to fix, like between VFX editorial and editorial. I don't know if that's happening or if that's happened on your other shows. Yeah, I don't know what, it, how that starts because 
I don't know if it was just how our offices were in Building 78, or do you think it was even before that? I think it was before that. I definitely think it was before that. And I don't know why. I don't know why either. And that was something that I struggled with the whole time. It was like, it it shouldn't be divided. No. We're doing different things, sure. And at a certain point, we kind of have maybe different motivations. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, maybe that's where it started. I don't know. Because, like, editorial is like, well, this is what the story is. This is what serves the story best. And when you're in VFX editorial, it's there's a little more emphasis on we need to get these shots through. We need to, like, make decisions and, like, stick with <laughs> stick yeah. with what we're doing mm-hmm. in order to get the best product. And if we keep changing it, then it's going to affect the, the quality of the shots at the end. So maybe that's where it ends up. I mean, we're all, we're all trying to make the cut as good as we can. Yeah. So I don't know where it... I don't know. It upsets me. I don't want that divide. Let's all be friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, the editors go, you know, between all departments. Yeah, you know? And it's yeah. like, yeah, like, there shouldn't be a divide. Let's start the change. <laughs> yeah, it should all be one big collaborative effort. And, yeah. And our humor was on that show was very dark. <laughs> it was so dark. <laughs> so I think it, a lot of it had to do with the crew. Yeah. I mean, I look back on it fondly. Yeah. But in the moment. Yeah. Like, oh, I just man. want peace. Robin pulled such a joke on me. It was April Fool's Day, and he comes in, and he's like, hey, you know those shot titles that you put on everything, on every shot, all 2,300 VFX shots? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, we're prepping uh, to turn this over to digital assets. Like, we're basically archiving it. And they came back and said that uh, some of your titles are, like, a pixel or two off of your other titles, and I was like, excuse me, what? And he's like, yeah, they can't take it because of that. Like, you have to go back through and basically standardize all of your shots. And I was like, I mean, all of these titles were, like, made on different computers by different people. Like, we have a template, but sometimes the computer just, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what's different. <laughs> and he just starts giggling. And I was like, oh, my God. Get out of my office. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that is something Robin would do. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because it's, like, so, like, tech-oriented, like... And I immediately... Yeah. He knew he knew it, too, because yeah. I immediately was just, like, doing the math in my head, like, yeah. this is going to take us days. Like, I, of course this would happen. Like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever listens to this, he'll oh. be laughing. Laughing his, <laughs> laughing his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's everything. Cool. I don't know if you have any final thoughts. I don't know. I mean, how how does it feel like looking back on it now, like just the whole thing? I mean, I I mean, I I think I'm really lucky to have yeah. experienced it. I think that's the thing that sticks with me. Yeah, me too. Because I don't think something like that's going to come along again. No. Like with all that build up, I mean, yeah. Even with this next phase, it's like the movies are going to come out and they're going to be great, but it's like it doesn't have that you know, 10 years of momentum underneath it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it it was something really special story-wise and crew-wise and timing-wise, just kind of everything aligned. And it was hard, but it was, you know, looking back on it, you kind (laughs) of get that distance and then the nostalgia. And I think, yeah, I think it it was an incredible experience. I would do it again. Oh, you even, would? Even as hard as hard as it was, yeah. Ah. 
I think I learned way too much to not ever do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good that you have important. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too important. Too important to my life and career, <laughs> my personal knowledge. So before we go, I just want to ask you about Women of Marvel when they were shooting that, like all yeah. the women from like – that were literally at Pinewood, mm-hmm. like descended on that stage. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty powerful moment. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it it was cool because, I mean, it was women in every single department, which, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot. When we're all grouped together, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a sizable amount. Uh, and that was cool. That was cool to see everyone kind of come together. The, it, it was cool to see people acknowledging that w- the industry is changing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there's so many of us, especially at Marvel, yeah. especially on this big of a mo- on those two huge movies. And you guys took a picture, right, with all the actors and yeah, because the they were shooting the uh, Women of Marvel scene where they mm-hmm. run. They Captain Marvel has the gauntlet and they run uh, at Thanos's armies. Um, and yeah, after they shot that scene, they did like so many takes, and then we uh, we took that picture. That was cool. That was a cool moment. Yeah. I do think that the Marvel gods are going to come smite me. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to use this part. But honestly, like, the the women of Marvel beat, we went through a lot of different versions. But I don't necessarily think that they needed to all group together mm. and take an army down. I think it was cool. It's a cool idea. Um, but I, I do like the idea that women superheroes can fight next to male superheroes mm. and be just as powerful. That they shouldn't be necessarily treated as something special per se because they are a woman. Mm-hmm. They should be treated special because they are extremely powerful, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Cap fighting next to Nebula, like, that's a real thing. Like. Mm-hmm. That should be a thing that is shown more, mm-hmm. especially in superhero movies. So everyone should be equal. And some of, like Captain Marvel is one of the most powerful superheroes that's out there right now. The idea that all the women had to get together and <sighs> scream and fight. <laughs> it, I like it as a, you know, female empowerment idea. And I do think it's important. And I think that female superheroes are extremely important, especially for young girls and, and even women of all ages, like, I think that was something that uh, Wonder Woman did really well, like, until the end fight. But, like, that movie, like, the beginning fight scene, like, I was like, oh, my God, yes. Like, women can be so powerful. Like, it's so nice to see them just, like, kicking ass. <laughs> no, like, comparison to men or, like, jokes about how they're not as strong or, like, anything like that. It's, like, they are so badass. And I think... That the women, the women of Marvel, like, yes, these characters are extremely strong. And they're, they all have arcs. And, it, you know, it's very important to see. And especially because they're all different. Mm-hmm. Like, Nebula's blue. <laughs> like, yeah. that's incredible. But she's, she's, she kicks ass all the time. Mm-hmm. She's so strong. Same with Gamora. And, you know, Captain Marvel is, like, almost unbeatable. <laughs> Like when she, when you know when she's at full power, like it's crazy. It's awesome to see, but I do think that I would personally love to see like the side by side fighting. Mm. Like they're just as capable as the men are, 
just like in the cutting room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll end there. That's a good note to, a, a nice strong note to end on. Yeah. Hey. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for thanks for letting me do it. Of course. It's fun. All right.